listening to sermon audio from Grace Mosaic, a congregation of the Grace DC Network in Northeast DC. For more information about our church, visit us online at gracemosaic.org. One of the most powerful stories in American history is the story of the Underground Railroad. And many of us have uh, become familiar with that central figure of the Underground Railroad. Her name was Harriet Tubman. And this heroine uh, was enslaved. She escaped that slavery, but then she made multiple return trips to the South in order to see other people set free to lead them out of slavery. This is a known history. But the lesser known, lesser celebrated aspect of this history of the Underground Railroad is that there was an extensive secret network of people, names largely lost to history, who made their homes into sites of resistance to the evils of the age by simply opening their doors. At its core, this is the story of the Underground Railroad. Injustice was challenged, estrangement was subverted, and hope was recovered through hospitality. In the story of the Underground Railroad, we see that the table proved to be the way to freedom, not only for those who were formerly enslaved, but also for the hosts. Both the hosts and the guests came into a deeper sense of their own dignity and their own purpose as they sat together at the table. And these hosts were not just nourishing physical bodies, they were nourishing the hope of a new possibility for the future. And I can't help but think that as the formerly enslaved sat at these tables in the network of the Underground Railroad, as they sat at the tables of these, of these people who were generously opening their doors. I can't help but an old spiritual that they used to sing came to mind. And that spiritual went like this. It said, I'm going to sit at the welcome table, Lord. I'm going to sit at the welcome table one of these days. Hallelujah. I'm going to sit at the welcome table. I'm going to sit at the welcome table one of these days. At these tables, they were getting a foretaste of the great feast for all peoples that they believed was to come in the kingdom. But here's the thing. This story is not just an interesting piece of history. It's actually a guide and a compelling picture that can shape our today and our tomorrow. Because we too can make our homes into sites of resistance against the evils of the age by simply opening our doors. We too can see injustice challenged, estrangement subverted, and hope recovered through hospitality. The table is still the way to freedom for both the guests and the hosts. 
It is still the case that we come into a truer sense of our own dignity and purpose when we come together with others at the table. We too can find our bodies and our hope nourished as we share our meals, our stories, and our lives. Now here's the thing. We've tried to fight one another and defeat one another. We've tried to educate and manipulate one another. But what we see in the thrust of Scripture is is that God wants us to host one another, to feast with one another, to welcome one another. Because this is the most formative embodiment of the kingdom. I'm going to say that again. This is the most formative embodiment of the kingdom. Hospitality. For the past few weeks, we have been working through a series on community, on the family of God. And we have been trying to get a sense of the various components that should shape the way that we live together in community, the kind of community that we ought to be, because we have acknowledged that we are running against the current. We are trying to swim against the current of of a culture that is largely selfish and focused on self-actualization. That is modernity in a nutshell. And this is the culture in which we have been situated. So it takes great intentionality, it takes deep thought, and it takes a rehabituation in order for us to actually be the healthy kind of community that God has envisioned that we would be in the scriptures. And so today we come to the theme of hospitality. And through our selection of texts, we are going to cover two points in which we see the heart of hospitality and the hope of hospitality. The heart of hospitality and the hope of hospitality. So let's look at this first point where we see the heart of hospitality. Now, when it comes to understanding the teachings of Scripture... Uh, there, is, there are some dynamics at work that we need to take into consideration. Sometimes when Scripture is communicating or, or teaching a particular doctrine or theme, we get these big sections of Scripture that actually develop that theme. For example, you think about the way that the doctrine of justification by faith is developed in the book of Romans, chapters 3 through 5. It's an extended development to help us to understand that particular doctrine of Scripture. However, there are some Christian ideas and some Christian ways of life that were so obvious and fundamental to the people of the first century culture and context that the Scripture gives us more of a smattering or a series of reminders that punctuate the biblical text. And the theme of hospitality fits into the latter category. We don't really have a lot of really deep, developed treatments of hospitality because it was so fundamentally assumed by the people of the time. And so you see this this punctuation of, of hospitality, which is why we read the selected texts for today. What we get in Scripture is a series of exhortations or reminders about hospitality because it was foundational to these first century people. However, despite the fact 
that hospitality was fundamentally assumed in the first century way of life, what the apostles do give us is a new ground for hospitality, okay? In the broader Greco-Roman culture, uh, the real drive behind hospitality was one's honor and the honor of one's family or clan or tribe. To deny hospitality was to bring dishonor on oneself and to bring dishonor on one's people. In other words, hospitality was essentially self-referential. It was about maintaining your own image and your own reputation and your own prestige. And interestingly enough, it's not much different from our culture today. To speak of hospitality in our day is to conjure images of craft Japanese knives and marble countertops and beautiful centerpieces and exotic hotels situated beside white sand beaches and turquoise blue waters. This is to say that notions of hospitality in our day are also self-referential. They are about reputation, but added to personal prestige is profits through the hospitality industry. And I bring this up because many of us have been formed to think that if we can't do it like the pros, then we can't do it at all. I'm not a good cook. Irrelevant. I'm not good at decor. Irrelevant. I'm not good at planning things. Irrelevant. I don't have a big house. Also, irrelevant. Listen, Scripture teaches us that the church has been given an entirely new ground for hospitality, for this practice, for this way of life. Because every Christian knows that there was a time when we were helplessly and hopelessly held captive in the grip of slavery and sin. But one greater than Harriet Tubman entered into our helpless situation, took us by the hand and said, follow me to freedom. And even now the Lord Jesus is leading us on the journey to freedom. He has brought us into his house and he has prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. For the community of Christ, the heart of hospitality is the gospel of grace. It was the Lord's hospitality that saved our lives. It is the Lord's hospitality that sustains our lives. And it is the Lord's hospitality that secures our future. The very message of the gospel says, you are welcome, you are wanted, and you are worth it. No matter how far you have fallen, no matter what you have done, no matter how you have failed, no matter what they think, no matter what they say, you are welcome, says the Lord. And that is good news, y'all. That's good news. Jesus Christ has become our great host. His grace has become our meal, and his love is true soul food. The central and climactic truth of the Christian faith is that our entire existence has been transformed 
by the hospitality of God. This is why the Apostle Paul calls us to hospitality in Romans chapter 15, verse 7, one of our texts. And he says, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. The paradigm of Christian hospitality is the open arm, open hearted welcome of Jesus Christ. Do you know that welcome? This is why the Apostle Peter can tell us to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Because the Lord welcomed us with joy and gladness rather than with peevish reluctance. And this truth should form us. Peter knew this from personal experience. (laughs) When the Lord made him a lakeside breakfast to restore him to love after he had deeply betrayed him. Listen, if Jesus were like us, that breakfast never would have happened. That scene would never have happened. If Jesus were like us, he would have found Peter after the resurrection and said, Ha ha, sucker! Now it's time to get your dues, right? Like, he would have jacked Peter up. He might have just went, Turn him into something crazy, right? <laughs> or he could have laid the guilt trip on him. Peter, I let your crazy self walk on water. Peter, I taught you so many things. And this is how you do me. We're done. We're done. And I hope you are miserable for the rest of your life, you backstabbing some of my gun, right? <laughs> Think about all the different responses that Jesus could have made to Peter. But what does he do? He makes this fool breakfast. It is no accident that Peter is restored at a table on the beach. And now he tells us to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. To put it all in a different way, we are to make a regular practice of bringing others to our tables because of how the Lord turned the tables for sinners in the gospel. The gospel is the heart of hospitality, but we also need to consider the hope of hospitality, which brings us to our final point, the hope of hospitality. Now, we have identified the heart of hospitality, the relationship of hospitality to the gospel. But what is the point of hospitality in God's big picture? What is God up to by giving us the call to hospitality? Let me put it clearly. We can see the hope of hospitality through the lenses of formation and mission. Formation and mission. This is the big picture of hospitality. The Lord wants to form his family in hospitality, and he sends his church into the world to do the work of hospitality. But let's talk about formation first, all right? We tend to think of what our hospitality does for others, right? And when we think about hospitality, we're thinking about, oh, well, what what might it do for them? And and that's great. That's good. And we're going to come back to that uh, in a second. But one of the things that we need to appreciate 
is that it's important we understand that this practice does something to us as well. It does something to us. Hospitality, when you take up the practice, it shapes you. It does something to you. Have you considered the formative impact of hospitality in the lives of God's people? Here's the deal. You have to understand that kingdom life is caught as much as it's taught. It's caught as much as it's taught. And I want to get into this a little bit by sharing a little personal testimony. Many of you know that I cook barbecue. And I have been doing this for a good while now. And when I started off, uh, it was basically like a little hobby. I enjoyed the food. It was a little hobby I wanted to take up. And, um, and that was basically all I had in mind. But over time, as I started cooking for our church events and our neighborhood parties and for different gatherings that we had in our home, something began to change. And that something was me. And one morning, one early morning, I got up. It was probably four in the morning. Got the fire started for the smoker. I got all of this meat on the smoker that would feed people that night. And I sat down. I took my first sip of coffee. And I let out a sigh. And then the thought hit me. Something has changed about me because of doing this work of hospitality. Something has changed. I had this, this feeling, right? Like as I sat down, I, I realized I don't just cook barbecue because I like the food. I now cook barbecue because I want to be like him. I want to be like him. I want to be a host like him. I want to serve like him. I want to care like him. I want to foster joy like him. I want to connect people like him. Hospitality has done something to me. I want people to get the message. You are welcome. You are wanted. And you are worth it. Because that's the message that I have heard in the gospel when everything in me says it should be otherwise. His voice rings out over all my sins, over all my failures, over all my insufficiencies, and he says, you are welcome. There is nothing like it in all the world. And guess what? That same message rings out over you. And it's for this reason that the life of faith consists not simply in cognitive grasp of information. It is about our habits and our practices. Discipleship is not just insight-based. It is practice-based. And many of the most important spiritual insights do not come to us apart from the practices. There are things you cannot understand that you will not get, that will not click until you begin to take up the practices that attend the Christian life. And hospitality is one of the most beautiful and powerful and important. But let me run through formation really quickly to talk about how it is that hospitality forms us. Okay? 
The regular practice of hospitality forms you as a servant. You get all of the supplies that are needed, going to the grocery store, battling the traffic. You go through all of the preparations and you navigate all of the challenges to serve others. It's forming you as a servant. The regular practice of hospitality forms you as a caregiver as you attend to the needs of your guests and anticipate the ways you can make them feel at home. And some, some of us got to experience this on Friday night on the back porch of the Little Pages while Pastor Joel was frying us chicken wings and Sister Melissa was bartending. We got a little taste of that. Amen. The regular practice of hospitality forms you as a person who isn't afraid of the mess. Now, let me tell you this. Every time Chris and Lisa Moore host some kind of gathering or a leadership meeting at their house. There comes a point in time in the evening where Chris bellies up to the kitchen sink and he begins to wash dirty dishes. And in over a decade of doing ministry with my dear brother and friend, I have never successfully wrestled so much as a dirty spoon away out of his clutch. Because he is bellied up to that. And his, his one line that gets you, gets you out, I'm like, come on, man, let me help. He's like, no, 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 washing dishes is my therapy. I don't believe it. But I'll tell you one thing. I am convinced that there is a connection between Chris Moore's willingness and practice at washing dirty dishes and getting into the mess elbow deep and his willingness to get into the messy pastoral situations that come to him as an elder of this church. He has been formed by hospitality. The regular practice of hospitality forms us for communion. You can only small talk so many times before you find yourself sharing real life with others exchanging prayer requests, sharing laughter, and really coming to know and be known and to love and be loved no matter what is disclosed. And this needs to be said. This is just a little, little freebie, right? This is a little freebie. Jesus shows us that you don't have to have a big house to be a host. Jesus shows us that you don't have to have a fancy house to be a host. In fact, Jesus shows us that you don't have to have a house at all. The Son of Man had no place to lay his head, and yet he was the host, always ever the host. You don't need any of those accoutrements in order to be a host. Y'all didn't know I could break that French out, right? You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Hospitality is our raison d'etre, right? How am I doing, Annie? All right, all right. You know what I'm saying? I don't know a lick of French. I know repertoire. That's what I know, right? <laughs> I am convinced also by the story of Scripture that God is determined to get this into us. And part of his fatherly discipline is to chasten us back where we have not been hospitable. I'm convinced by the story of Scripture, the rhythms of the gospel, and the realities of our cultural moment that hospitality is actually the cutting edge of our mission. Which brings us to the second application. Hospitality in God's big picture is about mission. And this is precisely why much of American church is failing so miserably with respect to this mission. 
We are in desperate need of recovering the Christian practice of hospitality. Let me break that down real quick. The Greek word that is translated into your English Bible, hospitality, is a compound word in the Greek text. Love, stranger, philoxenia. It is a historic and ancient and global Christian practice to love the stranger. It begins with the household of God. We ought to welcome one another, but it is to extend to our neighbors. It is to extend to whosoever will walk through our doors, whoever will accept the invitation. This is a historic Christian practice. Remember, the kingdom life is caught as much as it is taught. And we have been given a mission that is to be embodied. Our hospitality is to be a signpost that points our guests and our own hearts to greater realities. Our warm welcome that we extend to people when they come into our home is just a faint glimmer of the warm welcome that is to be received by those who trust in Christ in the kingdom. You see, uh, the, the overwhelming joy and the excitement that we often feel when we gather together at parties is meant to be a signpost that points us to the great gathering at the wedding feast of the Lamb. They're signposts. When you cook someone a meal and you labor, you do all the work to feed them and they sink their teeth into something or they put a cup to their lips and they are like, mm, it's so good, it's so satisfying. It's meant to point you to the fact that someone else did all the work so that you could find eternal satisfaction. And his name is Jesus. All of it is meant to be a signpost that points other people to the truths of glory. We must resist, hear me, we must resist the reductionistic approach to mission and evangelism that treats witness as a purely cognitive endeavor in which we share some gospel data and out pops a Christian. Listen, many of our neighbors will not digest Christian ideas if they are detached from Christian hospitality. This is not to deny our soteriology or the work of the Spirit. It is to recognize our biblical anthropology, how human beings work. To resist the practice of hospitality or to remain ambivalent to its practice is to undermine the essence of the very faith you claim to embrace. Hospitality is one of the classrooms of love. And the hope of hospitality is that we will be more deeply formed into the likeness of Christ through this practice. And that our brothers, sisters, and neighbors will get a taste of the kingdom, lay hold of true freedom, and join us at the wedding feast of the Lamb by faith in Christ. May we continue to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us for the glory of God. Amen? Let's pray. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Grace Mosaic. For more information about our church, visit us online at gracemosaic.org.